Well, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to my YouTube channel. My name is John Campia, and this is a companion video. What are companion videos? Well, I'm awfully glad that you asked. See, every day on the John Campia Show, Monday through Friday, we take the second half of the show to take your live questions. However, we usually don't have enough time to get through all the questions that got sent in. But if you sent in one of those questions and tip to support the channel, I want to make sure you don't have to wait too long to get those questions answered. So we gather them up, we address them here, on companion videos. And by the way, if you'd like to send in a question anytime 24-7 to be read on the John Campia Show or one of these companion videos, simply go down into the description of this video and you'll see a tip link. Click on that there or you could enter it in manually at www.streamelements.com slash movieblogtv slash tip. You'll be getting your question read on a show if we deem your question appropriate to use on the show. And of course, you'll be supporting the channel at the same time. And all of us involved with the John Campia Show, thank you guys so very much for your support. Okay, guys, it's been a great couple of days. We've been doing the Adopt-A-Family thing. You guys have been supporting it like unbelievable. I'm going to give you guys some numbers and figures on tomorrow's John Campia Show that I think is going to excite everybody for the stuff that you've done. And it's just been amazing. We're so thankful for it. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go and watch today. That was Tuesday, November 30th episode of the John Campus Show in the first five minutes. We explained it all in great detail. But anyway, for now, let's start getting caught up on those questions, shall we? And we're going to start getting caught up with a question from Orange Grove 55 who writes, With the new COVID variant emerging... Do you think it's likely movie theaters will close again? Thanks for all you do, John. I, I mean, I don't know. I'm not an infectious diseases expert, unlike half the people on the internet think because they've Googled some things that they're suddenly infectious diseases experts. I'm not. All I know is this, is that uh, I, I've been keeping my eye on the stats. I know that even up till today, the COVID rates in California continue to drop. So that that's a good thing. But what will happen with this moving forward? I don't know. If this new variant becomes a major problem, then yeah, it'll shut down the movie theaters again. But have we learned enough and have we got enough people vaccinated and all that kind of stuff that we're going to prevent it from being a problem? That's the question. And I honestly don't have the answer to that. My guess right now is that it won't get to that point, but that's just me guessing. I, I do not have a doctorate in infectious diseases, so I don't really know. All right, next up, we've got Benjamin Mason who writes, I think all Amy was trying to say is that Spider-Man wasn't going to be a part of the Homecoming trilogy. I don't see how that makes any sense at all. Anyway, uh, she just restarted her sentence to make that more clear. Uh, not that she almost said something that she shouldn't say. I think that's wishful thinking. So for those of you who don't know what we're talking about, the other day, uh, Amy Pascal, one of the producers on the Spider-Man, former head of Sony Studios and a current producer on the Spider-Man movies, um, she was starting to say stuff about we're going to continue like that wasn't the that Spider-Man No Way Home isn't the last MCU movie we're going to make. And the next one we're going to make is going to be with Tom and we're going to do it with Marvel. And then she said, we're going to do three more films. She didn't say she, we're going to do three more films with Marvel and with Tom. She said, we're going to make the next one with Marvel and Tom and we're going to do three other films. And then, but then she said this, but then she said, it's just not going to be a part of. And then she caught herself and stopped, and then abandoned that line of thinking altogether, and then went back to saying something else. I mean, I'm sorry, there's just no way. It makes no sense that all she was just going to say, it's just not going to be a part of the Homecoming trilogy. Well, obviously, it's not going to be a part of the Homecoming trilogy. And why would she stop herself from saying that if what she was going to say? And by the way, 
Somebody pointed this out in the live chat today on the John Campy show, and I had not heard of it, so I didn't know whether to believe it, but then I went and checked it myself. The Hollywood Reporter is reporting that their sources at Sony are telling them that what Amy Pascal just said isn't true. The Hollywood Reporter's sources at Sony, Sony sources are telling a Hollywood Reporter, we don't know what she's talking about. Right now, we have no plans to do another Spider-Man movie with Marvel. So, I mean, it just gets even more thing, it more convoluted there. So we'll we'll see how this all kind of shakes out eventually. And we're definitely going to talk about that Hollywood Reporter story on the John Cabe show tomorrow. We'll see where that goes. All right, next up, Jarrah sixty nine writes. I think the key to the mystery of the Spider-Man Sony slash MCU is not Tom Holland. I say follow Michael Keaton's Vulture character. He's in the MCU, but also interacts with Sony characters. John, I say Michael Keaton is involved in the future. I don't know about that. I mean, I, I think it would be interesting. I, I think he's going to be involved in Spider-Man No Way Home. I don't know how much of the future he's going to be a part of this, to be honest. We'll definitely find out more once we uh, once we see No Way Home on the 16th. All right. Thanks for writing that in, JR. Appreciate your theory, man. All right. DNA writes, hey, John. Does your thoughts change about multiverse since Spider-Man may be in both universes? How do you think he can be in both universes if if the opening of the multiverse is not here to stay? That is a great question, DNA, and I've been thinking about that. So what DNA is referring to is, I kind of believe with all the mess that multiverse is causing, and the last Spider-Man trailer just gave us a little taste of how much of a mess multiverse is going to be, that I believed... I don't know this. This is just me, just a fan theory. That's all. Nothing more than a fan theory, my own little fan theory. I believe for a while, my theory is, is that Doctor Strange 2 in the Multiverse of Madness is going to be about Doctor Strange needing to shut down the multiverse. We'll see if that's true. I mean, I'm not willing to bet $1,000 on that. That's just my theory. So we'll see if it's right or wrong. I have a thousand theories a day. But if Spider-Man is going to make Spider-Man movies in the Sony universe and in the MCU, which now because the Hollywood Reporter is saying Amy Pascal's story is bunk, I, I, I don't even know that's true. But if that happens, so my theory is this. I think they could possibly keep open one or two or maybe even three universes without there being a limitless number of multiverses everywhere, you know? But I mean, I don't know. We got to see how this shakes out. First of all, we got to find out if what Amy Pascal was just her talking out of her ass or not. Uh, Because a lot of people, including myself, took what she said very much to heart. And now the Hollywood Reporter is saying that their Sony contacts are telling them that Amy Pascal doesn't know what she's talking about. So I don't know. We're, we're going to have to see how that all shakes out, but that is an excellent question, DNA. My only theory right now is if they're going to continue having Spider-Man in two different universes, that they're going to narrow the multiverse down to one or two mirror universes, and that's it. But again, I, I have no idea. Ask me after we've seen Spider-Man No Way Home, and then we'll all have a much better idea. Great question, DNA. Next up, we got Magic uh, Skeptic, who writes... Could an alternate universe Tony Stark come through in No Way Homes? They're all coming through moment. It makes sense thematically. Stark mentored Parker in one. Uh, his death was central in two. Wouldn't an appearance in three make sense? Uh, could be could be heartfelt thoughts. Yeah, we were talking about that on the John Cabot show a little bit earlier today, that this would be a perfect spot to have an alternate universe version of Tony Stark come through. 
considering the emotional connection between Tony and Peter. That would be very thematically appropriate. Is Robert Downey Jr. coming back now? Now, you, you guys know what I think. Robert Downey Jr. is coming back to play Iron Man. It may not be this year, may not be next year, might not even be in three years, but he's coming back. He will be back as Tony Stark. Will it be this early? I don't know. I, I'm dubious about that, but you're absolutely right, Magic Skeptic. It, it would thematically make sense for them to do it. I just don't know if they're actually going to do it or not. We'll have to wait and see. All right. An anonymous viewer writes, is it possible that a variant of Peter Parker, also played by Tom Holland, will be the one in the Venomverse while MCU keeps the one we know? Now, again, the one thing I don't think they're going to do is simultaneously have running Spider-Man live-action Spider-Man movies in Sony and the MCU. I don't think they're going to do that. I think they could have one Spider-Man that, hey, right now you guys get to have a Spider-Man movie in the MCU. And two years from now, we're going to have a Spider-Man movie in the Sony-verse. And then two years after that, you guys can have one over here. But I don't think they're going to run two separate uh, sp live-action Spider-Man at the same time. I don't think that helps Sony. I don't think that helps Marvel. I don't think either one of them wants that. So I don't think it's something they're going to do. But it's on the table. I mean, it would be on the table. All right, good question, man. Uh, Corey Justin Harper writes, I'm not crying, I swear. Uh, this community is amazing, and I'm so happy for the family that you're helping out. So, you know... For those of you who don't know, when we launched a Amazon wish list for you guys this year to help us out with our adoptive family. Now, we again, we just when we heard the story of the family that we were adopting this year for Christmas, um, we just thought this will be the first time in eight years we're going to ask our audience to also participate with us. And so we put together this big, long wish list, this big, long Amazon wish list that if you guys wanted to go and buy one of the items they need, we had shirts, uh, jackets, underwear, socks, soap, toothpaste, um, like a, a whole ton, ton, just a huge thing of basic needs that they needed, right? Including some expensive things. We also included, we, we want to get 30 sets of $30 Amazon gift cards. So we want to, get $900 worth of Amazon gift cards so that anything they still need after we give them all this stuff, they're going to have like $900 of Amazon gift cards to get more stuff that they need. I was hoping that after a week or two, we would sell like half of it, that like half of it would get uh, bought by some of our fans, right? And of course, once you go onto an Amazon wish list and you purchase something that's on the list, it comes off the list and Amazon will ship it to us. And then once we get everything here, we'll package it all up and then send it off or take it over to the family. So that was what we were thinking. We put together this Amazon wish list, thinking hopefully in a week or two, uh, we'll get like half of this stuff. Half of this stuff will be, will be taken. Halfway through the show, a viewer wrote in and said, hey, John, uh, I just went to go contribute on the Amazon wish list and everything's gone. And I'm like, wait, that can't be possible. And I went over and looked at the Amazon wish list and within 30 to 45 minutes, our viewers bought everything that was on the wish list, including all 30 sets of the $30 Amazon gift cards. All of them gone. And I'm not going to lie. Ray 
got emotional, started tearing up, and seeing Ray tear up, I started tearing up. And apparently, one of our viewers also started tearing up. As my, I shared this on my social media today. Uh, so anyway, just to follow that up, so Ann and I were like, well, then let's put a ton more stuff on the wish list for this family. And we even put some more expensive things like dressers and desks and chairs on top of things like, like we even put like Amazon Fire tablets so the kids could have like tablets for education and entertainment and fun, like all this kind of stuff. And we built this an entirely new wish list. And that sold out in like two hours. So anyway, today, for those of you who follow me on social media, you probably saw this already. Today, the first round of Amazon shipments arrived at our house. There it is. That's just the first round. We still have the second round to come in the next day or two. That's what you guys did. All, all those packages are filled with basic needs that this family is going to have that you guys have helped to meet from clothes, toiletries, school supplies, um, things like that. Uh, and again, we even decided to splurge. We asked you guys to splurge, but we even put some Amazon Fire tablets and some headphones so they they can listen to their own things because all three of the kids share one bedroom so they wouldn't have to fight for noise over each other, gift cards for the mom and all that kind of stuff. That was just today. This is what showed up today at our place. And there's another shipment coming tomorrow and probably more after that. So when you guys see, uh, when you guys see Corey saying, now I'm crying, uh, that was because of what you guys did. And uh, we're very, very grateful and, and, and overwhelmed by what you guys have done. And uh, yeah, and I'm going to share a little bit more on the John Capish show tomorrow, uh, just to give you guys an update on that. Anyway, thanks for writing that in, Corey. Next up, uh, Sitruck writes, what's the likelihood that there will be a Spider-Man uh, 3 TM, I guess that means Tobey Maguire, uh, 2 Andrew Garfield, 3 MCU movie marathon, just like the 22 MCU Endgame marathon? Um, you know, not great, but not impossible. Like, look, right now, the movie theaters are, are still working on trying to get people back into the movie theaters, like through the pandemic. Not everybody's going back to the movie theaters yet. I think they would probably find it hard right now to get people to come into the theaters for like a 10-hour stretch or 15-hour stretch. You know what I mean? I think that would be problematic. So I'm going to guess the chances are low for now. But it's a great concept. But yeah, it's just because of the way the situation is right now, I'm going to guess kind of low. If we were, didn't have a pandemic going on, all that kind of stuff, probably pretty decent. But I'm going to say probably pretty low right now. Great idea, though, man. All right, next up. Uh, Paul Starguy writes, listening to the show today, November 29th, this would have been yesterday, uh, at 2.30 in the afternoon, about getting Spider-Man tickets, I got worried and just got mine from my local Cinemark in the northern suburbs of Pittsburgh for the 17th of December at 11.50 and the seat I wanted. That's off. Listen, with all the people who weren't able to get the seats they wanted and the showtimes they wanted, it's awesome that you were able to get that, Paul. So that's great. Good on you, man. All right. Next up, our friend MD writes, uh, God bless you, John, for helping out that family. I shed a tear or two and my hubby was confused as to as why. Well, let me try this again. I shed a tear or two and my hubby was confused as I'm normally hysterically laughing during your show. I explained everything and he said, that dude rocks. Normally he moans about me watching you for hours. Well, then look, 
while I'd love to take the credit for it, the reality is it isn't me helping out that family. Like when you go over and look back at that picture, uh, this isn't the stuff that Ann, like Ann and I are going to get other stuff for this family. But all this stuff you see right here, this is stuff you guys sent in. This isn't me. This is you guys doing that. It, it's our community that's doing that. And that's the really amazing and impressive thing about that, all that that I'm really most grateful for. So thank you for writing that in and say thanks to your husband for me. That was That's a pretty nice thing for him to say. All right, next up. Like writes, do you think Spider-Man No Way Home will be bigger than Endgame? No. Uh, and maybe have a chance of passing Endgame's box office numbers? No, absolutely not. Um, even if there wasn't a pandemic right now, uh, Endgame was a 20 plus movie buildup with about 15 A-list Hollywood stars and a 11 or 12 year ramp up all culminating in Endgame. Spider-Man has got some of that kind of thing going for it, but it's not the same. So my thought is, even if there was no pandemic that we've been going through for the last two years, and even if everything was completely normal right now, no, this movie still wouldn't beat Endgame. It certainly isn't going to beat Endgame now. Now, do I think it can make a billion dollars? Can it be the, the next movie, the first movie in two years to be the billion dollar club? Yes. Could it be two Highly unlikely, but maybe at the outset possible. Can it be 2.7 billion? No, I no, I don't see that happening. If it did, it would be an absolute triumph. Like, I mean, again, ask me that question after right now. We don't even know if the movie's any good. I mean, that's the reality. We don't know if the movie's any good. We can't really give an educated guess as to whether or not we think this movie can be a two billion dollar movie. We don't even know if it's any good. We know it's gonna have a big opening weekend. But if people don't like it, they're not going to come back for a second, third, and fourth screening, and they're not going to grab other friends of theirs who haven't seen the movie yet and drag them out to the theaters. Like the type of th thing we saw with Shang-Chi. Unless that happens, you know, so let's see the movie first. Let's watch the movie first, and then let's get in some guessing about what its ultimate uh, box office could be. But right now, I'm going to say it's very, very unlikely. Almost impossible. Almost impossible. All right. Next up. And anonymous you writes, hey, John, uh, do you think that there is more villains in No Way Home because we still don't know who the sixth one is? Or do you think it's only five because I'm starting to think that the Green Goblin may just be the main villain? Here's the thing. I, I don't think they're doing a Sinister Six at all. Because number one, I don't even think Doc Ock is going to be a villain in this movie. I think Doc Ock is going to come through. He's going to confront Spider-Man. He's going to find out what's going on. And then I think he fights alongside of Spider-Man. I don't think I don't think Doc Ock is going to be a villain in this. I don't think Venom's going to be a villain in this. So, yeah, I don't think they're doing a Sinister Six thing. So I'm not, I don't think they need to get a six villain at this point. But I don't know. I could be wrong. We'll find out, man. We'll find out. All right, next up. Tony Rodriguez writes. So on the Andrew Garfield answering questions thing. So before he does an interview, uh, couldn't his talent agent tell interviewers uh, not to ask him Spider-Man questions in press uh, for other projects? I know they do it on other topics. Why the drama in these interviews? Here's the thing. It's, it's unreasonable to ask that. You First of all, most real um, reporters and interviewers will not let you tell them what they cannot ask you. Right now, at a junket, that's a different thing because when you're at a press junket, 
that entire event is being made specifically for promoting this movie, whatever this movie is. In this case, let's say Tick, Tick, Boom. So they have a press day where they have a junket where they invite like 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 media guys to come together. And it's all the whole day is just about Tick, Tick, Boom. That's one thing. But if you're Andrew Garfield and then going on a show somebody else's show. It's not the press junkie. You're going on somebody's show. Most interviewers will not let you tell them what is out of bounds. And here's the thing. When the number one thing on the audience's mind is something, any interviewer has to ask that question. Look, I feel bad about saying that, but the reality is an interviewer is not doing their job outside of a press junket. An interviewer is not doing their job if they don't ask the person they're interviewing about the thing that is on everybody's mind. And as as unfortunate that is for, for Andrew Garfield, who just maybe turned in the performance of his lifetime in Tick, Tick, Boom, that's the deal, though. That's the game. Every 10, t- 10 times the amount of people care about Spider-Man No Way Home than they do about Tick, Tick, Boom. I'm not saying that's good or bad. I'm not saying that's right or wrong, but it is what it is. 10, maybe 20 times more people care about what's going on and about uh, about Spider-Man No Way Home than they do about Tick, Tick, Boom. And an interviewer is going to ask them that question. Again, it's different on a press junket because you come to that event that is specifically about that movie. You know the parameters. But if he's a guest on a talk show or a guest on a thing, you, you, they got to ask the question. They got to ask the question. And so, yeah, I, I don't think that's out of bounds. All right. Good question, though, Tony. That, that's a, See, that's a good, insightful question to ask to try to get an idea about how that whole thing works. All right. Next up, Matt McClure writes, I reckon what Amy Pascal was going to say is it's just not part of the home trilogy. That's that. See, that is to me. That's ludicrous thinking. How does that make any sense? How does that make any sense? The Homecoming trilogy is over. She doesn't have to tell people this isn't part of the Homecoming trilogy. Well, we know that. The Homecoming, the next one is going to be for This is the third film. And why would she have to stop herself from talking anymore when doing that? Again, and then on top of all that, the Hollywood Reporter is saying their Sony people are telling them that Amy Pascal doesn't know what she's talking about. Anyway, uh, let's go on. I reckon what Amy Pascal was going to say is it's just not part of the home trilogy, and she was just trying to clarify this section is closed. Now we move into the next phase of Spider-Man's superhero life. See, again, Matt, I got to disagree. I think that's that's trying to make it look like what you want it to say. But clearly that's not what was, she wasn't about to say. It's just not a part of... Why do you stop? If all you're going to say, it's just not a part of this trilogy. Well, yeah, we all know that this trilogy's over. This is the third film. The trilogy's done. And now you're moving on to the next set of stories. And if that was what she was trying to say, why would she stop herself from saying it? Why would she say, yeah, we're going to make another one thing. It's just not going to be a part of, and then realize she had to stop. And then she totally started saying something else. I mean, that's, that's great. You can say, I think it's more true to say that you want it. What you want her to have stopped herself from saying was, it's just not a part of the homecoming trilogy. I mean, that's wishful thinking, but that's not what she was about to say. I don't know what she was about to say, but it wasn't anything about the homecoming trilogy. That had nothing to do with it. And again, this whole conversation of what I'm saying and what you're saying might be totally moot because of what the Hollywood Reporter is saying, that their sources at Sony are saying what Amy Pascal said isn't true. But again, we'll talk about that more on the John Campy Show tomorrow because I'm, I'm completely confused by it, to be honest with you, dude. All right, next up. 
Jack Lumbers writes, have you uh, or are you going to watch the new South Park post-COVID special on Paramount Plus? We watched it on Thanksgiving Day. It was hilarious. It was absolutely hilarious. Integrity. That was. Mm. And who didn't see that last part coming at the asylum with chaos? I mean, it was hilarious. I can't wait to watch the next part. All right, next up. Jack Lumbers also writes, have you caught the new season of Animaniacs? I have not. Actually, I haven't yet. I personally feel season two is better than season one. Look, I haven't watched it yet, but all I can tell you is that I, for many decades, I've been a big Animaniacs fan. (laughs) Big, big Animaniacs fan. And so I'll look forward to watching that. All right, Josh C. writes, Part of me wishes that in the new Batman movie, Riddler reveals the identity of Batman and everyone in Gotham reacts by crying out, Twilight boy, the Batman is the Twilight boy. By the way, film looks awesome and I can't wait to see Paul Dano. Yeah, listen, we're not going to stop hearing from these people who haven't watched a single one of the brilliant movies that Robert Pattinson has done since his Twilight days. We're not going to be rid of these guys who would ever do the guy from Twilight. Twilight boy is going to be Batman. Like we're not going to be rid of those guys until the movie comes out. And you're right. The movie looks fantastic. Now, maybe the movie will suck. I mean, I don't know. And maybe Pattinson will be terrible in it, but I'm willing to put my money on the fact that the movie looks pretty damn good with a director like Matt Reeves. And look, Robert Pattinson has turned into one of the most sought-after actors by directors today. There's a reason why Christopher Nolan, who did the most famous of the Batman trilogies, wanted to cast him for his latest movie, and why Matt Reeves wanted him for this one. But again, I, I kind of get it. If you've never seen any of the brilliant films and the brilliant performances that Robert Pattinson has done since his Twilight days, okay, I, I kind of get, get it. I get it. I get your confusion. But... You talk to anybody who has seen those Robert Pattinson movies in the meantime. They're all like, yeah, Pattinson could make a pretty damn good Batman. So so let's let's wait and see. But I agree, man. I think it looks pretty damn good. All right, Mike C. writes, here, John, go buy yourself some ice cream to wash the taste of ketchup and eggs out of your mouth. And of course, earlier today, because I, I speculated, I, and I felt really good about it, was that there was going to be a third, and I still think there will be a third Spider-Man No Way Home trailer. I still think there will be, but... I was convinced that they were going to drop the third Spider-Man No Way Home trailer on the day that the tickets went on sale and the fact that it was a Monday, meaning there was Monday Night Football and they have released big major trailers for their big blockbuster films during Monday Night Football in the past. I thought for sure they were going to drop a new trailer. And they didn't. And I had to eat ketchup on eggs and I nearly vomited, but they let me go get some Pepto-Bismol, so I survived. All right, next up. Uh... Kenshin, the machinist, writes, uh, Venom says he's got hive memories from other universes. No, 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 you're misunderstanding him. Says he's got hive memories from other universes, and then he recognizes uh, Spidey on TV. The movie never says he recognized him. Uh, Could this be because he has Topher Grace's Venom's memories? Over under 1%, we get Tom Hardy and Topher Grace's Venom in No Way Home. Oh, and Joe Manganiello as Agent Venom. Okay, so let's get to the main thing here. In Venom 2, he wasn't saying he had uh, the memories of... He was talking about literal universes. He wasn't talking about alternate universes. Because remember, he's an alien species, his species that has been throughout the cosmos. 
he wasn't talking about alternate reality or multiverse universes. He was literally talking about, within our plane of existence, the universes that are out there. And some people say he recognized Spider-Man. I never got it all that he recognized Spider-Man. So anyway, I, I think that's just a bit of a misunderstanding of what was going on there. Now, for all we know, we'll get into Spider-Man No Way Home and we'll find out that's exactly what he was talking about, but I don't think it was. Or else Venom the symbiote wouldn't have been so confused about the fact that they just traveled to a different reality at the end of Venom 2, right? It wouldn't have confused him. So yeah, I don't think he was talking about multiverse universes. He was literally talking about out there amongst the stars, the universes. At least that's what I believe. And maybe I'm right, maybe I'm wrong. We'll find out, Kenshin. All right, Ryan Butt writes, Amy Pascal saying it's just isn't a part of the MCU, but then overcorrecting and saying they're actually going to do three more Spider-Man movies set in the MCU. By the way, she never said they were going to do three set in the MCU. She said they're going to do one in the set in the MCU. And then she said, we're going to do three movies. She may have meant, she may have meant three movies. All three movies will be in the MCU, but just being specific what she specifically said was the next movie will be with Tom and with Marvel or in the MCU. And then later she said, we're going to do three more movies, but she didn't say three more movies in the MCU. Again, I'm just being specific. That's specifically what she said. Uh, but, but she didn't say it just isn't part of the MCU. She didn't say it isn't going to be part of the MCU either. She said it just isn't a part of, and then she caught herself and stopped and then reset and started saying something else. But she didn't say it just isn't part of the MCU, and she didn't say it just isn't part of the Homecoming trilogy. She didn't say either of those things. Anyway, but... Uh, then overcorrecting MC reminds me of Ben Affleck overcompensating at San Diego Comic-Con saying that he'd even be an ape for Matt Reeves. Yeah, we all remember that. Right? Like, you guys remember a couple uh, years ago, I was the first person to report, and I'm not a scoop breaker at all, but I had heard from very, very connected, multiple very connected sources that Ben Affleck was out as Batman. And nobody believed me. And Ben Affleck kept going out insisting that he was still Batman. Even at Comic-Con, he got on stage when they were promoting Justice League. He got on stage and said, I can't wait to be Batman. I'll, I'll walk on all fours like an ape for Matt Reeves. Because Matt Reeves did the apes movies. To be Batman for Matt Reeves. Woo! And I still told everybody that he's just covering to promote Justice League. He's not Batman anymore. Nobody believed me. Nobody believed me. It wasn't until much later that everybody finally came clean, that not only was he out as Batman, he had been out as Batman for ages. Is that what Amy Pascal is doing here? I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think Amy Pascal is overcompensating like the way Ben Affleck overcompensating. I don't think Amy Pascal actually knows there's no more Marvel Sony partnership and she's just overcompensating to hide it. I don't get that impression. I think maybe there's still a lot of interpretation of what she says. And then of course there's the Hollywood reporter story where Sony is telling the Hollywood reporter that Amy isn't what Amy's saying isn't actually factual. So I don't know. It's a very, very confusing situation, Ryan. Or Rayan, I should say. It's a very, very confusing situation. We'll talk more about it on the John Campbell Show tomorrow. All right, next up. 
Dangerous D-Rights. Hey, John, you heard of a camera called the DJI Pocket Osmo. It's, it's the Osmo Pocket, I believe, and I have one. Uh, I actually, for a long time, I used to do these videos called Thoughts on Walks, and I used the DJI Pocket uh, Osmo Pocket. Anyway, at first glance, it looks like a, de uh, a device that optometrists use, but actually the smallest three-axis mechanical handheld gimbal. If you turn it 360 degrees, the camera is stable. I, uh, it also has 4K Ultra... Uh, Ultra HD, uh, FHD, uh, 12 megapixels, 100 megabits per second, 60 frames per second, has Bluetooth and Wi-Fi, produces cinematic quality videos. No, it does not. And let's just be clear about that. The Osmo does not produce cinematic quality videos. Like, not even close. Very, very impressive looking video for what it is, such a tiny little sensor and such a tiny little lens and such a tiny little device. Very impressive for what it is, but it is not cinematic quality videos at all. Uh, it also has time lapses, mo uh, motion lapses, and it weighs four ounces. Have you heard of this device? Yeah, listen, um, I don't know why I still have them on my main page, but they are still there. Hold on a second. Let me and see Canto if I did can... very well as well. It made uh, 40 million. I can get this. So if you go over here, I still have these listed down, these thoughts on walks. And Actually, there it is right there. You see that right there? This is how how I make thoughts on walks gear. And there's the uh, Osmo right there in my hand. So let me uh, just play a little video here. I'll turn the, the, the audio MCU. off for it. So this is me uh, doing a thoughts on walks like uh, back in September of 2020. And I am using the, uh, the DGA Osmo. That's what I'm using. Now you can see for such a tiny device... The video looks quite good. The video looks quite good, but that is not cinematic video. It's great for what it is, a very small little handheld device. It's just tiny. It's it's small. Like I like what he says. It looks like a tool an optometrist would use. Um, that's what it totally looks like. And yeah, it's great for the size and everything, but that is not cinematic video. It's great for vlogging and moving around, stuff like that. Actually, it's a great device. I recommend it highly. I have it. But don't think you're going to be shooting cinematic quality video on it. Right there is what you kind of can kind of expect to shoot for. Again, that's pretty good looking video. But that's what you can sort of uh, expect to, uh, to shoot with it. So, yeah, there's that. Okay. Uh, thanks for writing that in, man. But, yeah, it's a fun little device. I enjoy it. I, I like it. I'm glad I have it. All right. Next up. We got Miss, uh, Mischievous Gremlin who writes, one, two, one of two. Well, John, today, Tuesday, now that is today actually, is the day where we will get the, fin the, fi the finale of season one of Chucky. And I know you probably don't care. You're right. I don't care <laughs> about that. But me being a Chucky fan, uh, I am really surprised at how this season has gone. In fact, I have to say that has been one of my favorite installments into the Chucky franchise, and that's quite an accomplishment, even when it comes from a cable series like Sci-Fi in USA. Overall, I can't wait to see how it ends. And here's the good news for you, Mischievous Gremlin, is, yeah, I, I personally don't care about the Chucky series. I'm not saying it sucks. I don't watch it, so I just don't care about it. But the good news for you and your fellow fans of this Chucky series is, if I'm not mistaken, they just recently announced that it's been renewed for season two. I, I might be mistaken about that, but I believe I saw my newswire in the last couple of days that Chucky, the, the Chucky series has been renewed for season two. So time to celebrate, man. If you're a Chucky fan, this is good news for you. Season two is going to be on its way. So that's awesome, man. All right. 
Next up, we got Sean McWilliams, who tips in $50. Thank you, Sean, for tipping that in, man. We appreciate your generosity, dude. Uh, and Sean writes, John, it looks like everyone has already purchased everything on the Adoptive Family wish list on Amazon. Uh, the last item is $100, but it won't let me purchase it and ship it to your address. Please accept this and use it towards helping the family. Thank you. Oh, dude, that's so nice. You know what? On top of everything else that Ann and I are going to be putting into it, we'll make sure we add another $50 for that. So thank you for that. Now, by the way, guys, please, I understand why Sean just did it. Please don't send in super chats like that and, and say, this is for the adoptive family. There's a reason we, we're keeping it separate or else our bookkeeping is going to go insane. We're going to get massive tax bills on it and everything. So do keep it separate. But I understand, Sean, thank you for sending that in. And we will make sure we add that extra $50 on there. So thanks for sending. Thank you so much for your generosity on that, man. That's really, really cool of you, dude. Thank you so much. All right, next up. Murray Reich writes, our friend Murray Reich writes, one of four. Like you and everyone else, I was busy looking for tickets for No Way Home, and of course, all ticketing sites, Fandango, Regal, and AMC were down. I'm on the East Coast. On AMC site, it went from over an hour to 50 minutes, 40 minutes, 30 minutes, 20 minutes, 15, and then it went back up to an hour. That happened to me too, man. On air, that happened to me on air. But eventually, I got in there, and after clicking on seats, I couldn't get through to the processing payment because of a glitch. Tried several times, including which I had to keep um, which I had to keep signing in again in the app. Fandango, I also had issues with processing payments due to a glitch. Even at one point, uh, they gave me the wrong movie show times. Ugh. Finally, at 3.30 a.m., I finally bought tickets on Fandango, which I was like, screw AMC, the, the AMC app then. Then I bought a few other show times in different theaters for backup just in case I can't make it to one of them. Although now, although I now realized that I didn't really have to stay up all night to get them because I'm not going to be able to see the movie till Sunday, but I didn't want to risk losing seats. Here's hoping I'm able to avoid spoilers until Sunday evening. Yikes. And yeah, that's the dilemma, right, Murray? That's the dilemma right there. Now you're right. If all you wanted was tickets for Sunday, you probably didn't need to buy tickets that first night. That first night was going to be dominated by people who really wanted to get those Thursday, the 16th screenings, the first day of screenings. And I get it. You wanted to just make sure you're able to get your seats for Sunday. And you know what? Had they put out a trailer with Toby and Andrew in it, maybe they would have sold out all the seats on Saturday and Sunday on the first night as well. But as it turns out, you were pretty safe. You could have waited till the next day to get them. But you're right. There is a risk. It's unfortunate, but there's a risk, brother. The internet is going to be filled with all the spoilers. And when I say spoilers, I don't mean Toby and Andrew. That, even, that isn't even a spoiler at this point. Everybody has known for a year that Toby and Andrew are going to be in it. If there was anybody that doubted it, the doubt got removed when that video of Andrew Garfield in the Spider-Man movie in front of the green screen came out. That pretty much wiped it all out. And there's been more since, obviously, especially with the picture that I shared that I thought was fake. At any rate, I mean, now it looks like, actually, I'm still not even 100% sure it was real. I'm still not 100% sure that picture was real. We'll find out, though, pretty quickly. But the thing is, like, when I'm talking about spoilers for this movie, I'm not even talking about Peter or, or Andrew and, and Toby because everybody knows that already. There's no secret there. Everybody knows that. That's a part of the movie. It's irrefutable. I'm talking about the real spoilers in this movie. The things that 
that are going to happen in this movie that nobody's even speculating about, that no one's even guessing at, that no one's going to see coming. Those are the things that are going to start flooding on the internet the moment the first public screening starts showing. And so, yes, brother, you've got a tough, tough job ahead of you, keeping yourself isolated in a, in a deprivation shroud, like on foundation, to try to keep all of it away until you can get yourself to that movie theater on Sunday. I'm going to be cheering for you, man. I'm going to be cheering for you. I hope you're able to do it, dude. All right. Next up, uh, Murray Reich also writes, imagine if we still had last year's 2020 uh, early 2021 social distancing seats in theaters. We would all go nuts trying to buy for No Way Home opening night. That would be a double nightmare. Dude, can you imagine that? If we we're still in a position, and, and listen, I, I was all for them doing the social distancing in the theaters. If that's what it took to get the theaters open, do it. But if today we still had those where theaters could only be 40% full, Oh my God, can you imagine how big of a fight it would be to get those tickets then? Because less than half the seats would be available. It, it was already a nightmare. It would have been unimaginable, Murray. Unimaginable. All right, Lorenzo writes, John, do you not like to laugh? I like to laugh because that's the only reason I can think of as to why you're not watching Psych. Yeah, listen, I don't know that it's funny because I've never seen it. Of course I want to laugh, but everybody says their favorite show is hilarious and Often it's not, but I've been hearing a lot of people lately. You're just the latest person, Lorenzo, to tell me that I need to try to start watching Psych. I am going to try to start doing that soon. I promise. All right. Kevin K98 writes, hey, John, some arcane fun facts. Number one, arcane is 100% financed by Riot Games. Netflix only distributes it. Well, just to be clear, Kevin, that's not unusual. That's, that's not unusual at all. Yes, there are a number of Netflix originals that Netflix actually produces, but a lot of Netflix originals are actually already produced and then brought to them. And then they, you know, they have really good taste in what they put on when it's not movies. When it's series, they have great taste. And then they put it on, it becomes what's called a Netflix original at that point. So that's not an unusual thing. Anyway, uh, Netflix only distributes it. Uh, number two, all the characters' face expressions were hand-animated, no mocap. That is very interesting. I didn't know that. It's cool. Uh, number three, the show two creators are both first-time writers. Uh, they were game designers. Um, as far as I understand, the actual story for season one of Arcane was written by, and I believe to a degree directed by, a guy by the name of Ash... Branton? I'm trying to remember his name. I think it's Ash Branton. Anyway, Ash Branton was also a writer and director of like one of the most celebrated animated films of all time in Toy Story 2. So it's not quite true that this show is just written by these two guys who've never done anything written before. Well, the actual story of, of Arcane was actually drafted and created by a guy who wrote Toy Story 2 and directed that. So I'm sure those guys are also involved in it. But Ash had a pretty major guiding hand in that, too. So there is that. But listen, Arcane what came, came out of nowhere as a show that I wasn't even all that interested in. Not even all that interested in. And is now my all-time favorite animated series. God, I love that show. I cannot wait for season two, man. I cannot wait for season two. All right, next up. We've got Hannah, who writes... How can Star Wars fans let Lucasfilm know they miss Star Wars on the big screen? I think they know Star Wars fans miss Star Wars on the big screen. They know that. Uh, I have a feeling Lucasfilm doesn't know what people 
want to see. A lot of comments I read everywhere seem to want a brand new time period, like a big brand new event. Um, no, listen, Lucasfilms knows what people want to see. Um, they know what's what's out there, but you also can't be completely guided by and driven by what people want to see. You have to drive by what you think people don't even realize they want. Like when you look at the big mega successful companies, like take Apple, for example, Apple has made an industry out of not necessarily giving the Apple fanboys what they want, but by giving them things they didn't even realize they wanted. Right. That's that's what separates the really successful from the middle of the road companies. But no, believe me, Lucasfilm knows what they want. It's just a matter of trying to execute. And yeah, yeah look, I'm missing them on the big screen, too, Hannah. Like nobody's business. I'm missing them. I want a Star Wars movie, damn it. So I'm hoping it comes too soon. I really, really do. All right. Next up, we've got an anonymous viewer who writes, to me, Star Wars right now isn't very exciting because we already know what happens and it's not like a big prequel either of a main character. Sorry, it's not like a big prequel either of a main character. It's more so uh, the in-between. I just want something new. Well, listen, uh, wanting something new is something I've been complaining about for a long time. Like everything about Star Wars for the last couple of decades, even the things that I've really liked and enjoyed a, a great deal is that... Um, uh, what was I trying to say? Oh, yeah. Even the things that I like a great deal, the big problem is that, sorry about that. I actually had to answer my phone. It was Ray calling. I, it could have been important. So I had, to, I had to answer the call for it. Anyway, yeah, I've been complaining for that the, that the big problem with Star Wars the last couple of decades is that they keep doing ground we've already covered. It keeps shrinking the universe instead of expanding it. We keep revisiting characters we already know when Star Wars is supposed to be a universe that is billions of worlds with trillions of characters and many stories to tell. They've just made it small. Now, I think Mandalorian has felt very different because at least it's in different corners, new central characters. Yeah, they've come across other characters that we already know, but still uh, the focus of, of the story seemed to be on a new character. That's been exciting. So, But I'm with you overall, Anonymous. I, I am dying for something new in the Star Wars universe. And it looked like we were going to get it in Rogue Squadron. And now that's gone. It looked like we were going to get it in Acolyte, but I haven't heard anything about the development of Acolyte. And uh, I don't know. It's just it's a little worrisome, man. It's a little worrisome. All right, next up. We got Dangerous D who writes, Hey, John, Deadline's reporting that Channing Tatum and Steven Soderbergh are making Magic Mike's Last Dance, the third film from the franchise. It is set to premiere exclusively on HBO Max. Also, a reality competition called Finding Magic Mike will premiere on Max on December 16th. Yeah, we talked about this. This was one of our main topics on the John Campus show earlier today. And while it may sound surprising that they're doing another Magic Mike, it's really not all that surprising when you realize they're going to put it straight to HBO Max, and that makes sense. The first Magic Mike made about $167 million at the box office. Magic Mike 2 took a big drop in box office. The first one made like 167. The second one made like 110 or somewhere around there, right? Took a massive drop. So the only way you're going to get this one made is by making it a straight to HBO, straight to streaming thing. So that makes sense. And I think it's going to, I think it's going to find an audience there. All right, next up. Johnny Weiner writes, after purchasing Spider-Man tickets one night, the next day I couldn't sign into the AMC website or the app sign in. I failed. Uh, I check everything, password or internet connection, and still nothing. Does anyone having problems with AMC 
or just me? Not sure what to do. Um, I have had no problems. Actually, no, I got my phone right here. Let me see what's going on. I have personally had no problem signing into the AMC app. See, it's loading right now. And yeah, I'm lo I'm logged in, no problem. So everything seems to be good. Um, what I would do is I would reset your device and try it again. If you still have problems, maybe get a hold of somebody at AMC. But I I, I have had no problems with that, Johnny. Uh, Johnny, but check it. it. There could be something wrong. Maybe not. Again, I would highly recommend restart your phone and then try the app again and see if that works. If not, get a hold of somebody at AMC and see what can be done. All right. Thanks for bringing that up. Fanimator writes, hey, John, I sent a tip a while ago about how 15 friends and family and I watched Star Wars 9 at the Navy Pier IMAX on opening Friday night. I finally got tickets for No Way Home for Friday, December the 17th at 9.15 at AMC River East 21. Do audiences usually applaud, cheer, react to movies at that time? Well, it's not about what time. It, it I mean, it all the every audience is unique, right? Just like every individual is unique, every audience comprises a different group of individuals. Like you can walk into one movie theater Watch a movie. Let's say, I don't know, Venom. And the movie plays and nobody makes a peep. And then when everybody's walking out, you'll hear some people grumbling saying, oh, that wasn't so good, blah, blah, blah. Meanwhile, you can go to that same movie theater the very next night, watch the same movie again with a different audience, and the whole audience will be cheering and hooping and hollering and having a great time and loving it. It's really different. So I don't know if it's about what time of day it's at. I don't know if it's... story. I've, I've been in audiences where... Uh, where at noon and going crazy. I've been at audiences at midnight screenings and them going crazy. I've been to audiences at midnight screenings where nobody made a sound. So every single time is different, man. Everything single. But I know this. I have more fun at a movie when the audience is really getting into it. Some people prefer a quiet audience. I respect that. And I want the audience to be quiet too, except for when it comes to something big happens on screen, a big reaction. You know, I... I just love it when it feels more like a, an event kind of thing. That's just me. All right. Next up. Hope you enjoy it, Fanimator. Bames John writes, love your show, John. Thank you so much. Why don't you like the, the show Cobra Kai? Because it's not very good. <laughs> there. I don't like it because it's not very good. It's hyper cheesy, but it's supposed to be cheesy. Just because it's supposed, like if a chef makes you a dish and you take a bite and you say, this tastes like shit. And the chef says, well, see, that's the thing. It's supposed to taste like shit. Do you suddenly go, oh, in that case, it's awesome. No, if it tastes like shit, it tastes like shit. I don't care if it's supposed to be. I don't know. Listen, all due respect to everybody who likes Cobra Kai. My wife, Anne, loves Cobra Kai. Loves it. So I ain't crap talking on anybody that likes Cobra Kai. Listen, I was excited for the show. I gave it the first three or four episodes. I found it almost unwatchable. But that's just me. I'm not saying that nobody else should like it. I'm just saying I wanted to like it. I gave it a shot. Didn't work for me. I don't think it's very good. But I'm thrilled that other people like it. So, yeah, there's just that. All right, next up. Uh, CJ tips in $20. Thank you, man, for supporting our channel on that level. Hey, John, speaking on Kevin Feige, saying Spider-Man being the only hero with the superpower to cross cinematic universes, but we have Venom crossing into the MCU. That's different. 
Uh, does that make the Feige statement false or that Venom isn't a hero so he doesn't count or Venom doesn't have the superpower to switch cinematic universes so he's technically not wrong? I'm just kind of confused with the statement after seeing Venom in the MCU. Thoughts? Okay, fair question, CJ. Let me see if I can figure out a way to explain this. Okay, let's say you're on one side of a cliff and then there's a big chasm and then there's another another side of the chasm, right? You're on a cliff here and there's a cliff way over here. And we say, Captain X is the only one with the power to cross the chasm and Captain X can run and jump and land on the other cliff on the other side. Well, now let's say I'm standing there and Captain X punches me in the face so hard that my body sails over the chasm and lands on the other side. Does that mean I have the power of jumping between caverns, of jumping between the cliffs over the cavern? No, it doesn't mean I have the power to do that. That was done to me, right? I didn't on my own will go, I'm going to jump from this cliff to this cliff. Woo! Nope. I got punched in the face and I flew all the way over there. That, I don't have the power to do it. It was done to me. When you watch the end of Venom, you don't see Venom having the ability to travel between universes. It's something that happens to him. Against his will, totally by surprise, something happened and it dragged him over there. It wasn't him doing it. So that's what I think it means when Kevin Feige says only Spider-Man has the power to travel between cinematic universes. I think we're going to find out No Way Home and maybe even Doctor Strange 2 what he means by that. But I don't think it's a contradiction when we see what happened to Venom because Venom didn't travel between cinematic universes. He got dragged against his will in between universes, right? So it's a different thing. Just like Captain X jumping is one thing, me getting punched in the face and sailing over it inadvertently against my own will, that's a totally different thing. So that's how I would answer it, CJ. But more importantly, we'll get more solid answers once we actually get a chance to sit down and watch Spider-Man No Way Home. And then, then we'll probably get a clearer picture of what Kevin Feige meant. Thanks for writing that in, man. And again, thank you for supporting our channel on that level, CJ. That was really nice of you. All right, next up, Ryan Loner writes, I just finished Arcane. Awesome. I love that show. My favorite animated show of all time now. And major kudos to how I never once found myself thinking, maybe this makes sense if you know the game. It's completely accessible, even if, like me, you've never once cared about League of Legends. And that's the thing. I don't think this game has anything to do with League of Legends, <laughs> to be honest with you. Like, League of Legends is just like this rampant first-person shooter combat game, right? PvP player combat game. I, I think a lot of this was created for the game, but you're right. Never once. I'll tell you what. If I had never heard of League of Legends... That doesn't affect how my viewing of this movie at all, or of this show at all, I should say. There was nothing in this show that required you to know anything about the game. That's a very Kevin Feige thing to do. They made that show in such a way that you don't know have to, you don't have to have even heard of League of Legends to be able to watch it and enjoy it for what it was. And that's part of the power of this show, man. That's one of the reasons why I love it so much, Ryan. All right, next up. Uh, Riri Movie Guy writes, one of three. 
Hi from Arkansas. I've been a fan for nine years and I'm working towards creating my own podcast. Good on you, man. That's awesome for you to do. Uh, You've been an inspiration for that. I was listening to your story about the family you are helping for Christmas and was very emotional, which is a problem since I work overnight while listening to your podcast. I was, I was a kid in a poor home with a single mom with three kids and I didn't appreciate her effort as much then as I do now that I'm 33. Dude, listen, when any of us are kids, we don't appreciate what our mothers do for us nearly as much as we do when we get older. Anyway, and I have a family of my own. One Christmas, I was given a bike from my local fire department because my mom couldn't do Christmas that year. I want to say how inspiring it is that so many people contributed to your cause. And I've been take, talking to my wife about doing something similar for people in my area. Thanks. Dude, that is the the nicest, kindest, most awesome thing you could say. Listen, what Anne and I, I've been very like, we're involved in a lot of things, but we don't talk about the other things we're involved in. But we talk about adopt a family every year because this is something everybody can get involved in and do. And Anne and I, every year that we get close to Christmas, we tell everybody about adopt a family because you can contact your local municipality Ask them about what they do for a local Adopt-A-Family at Christmas program. And you can get involved. And listen, it doesn't take a lot of money. Like even if you can get together two or 300 bucks, listen, believe me, a parent, Ann and I have seen it for eight years in a row, a parent who's just having a hard time keeping the lights on and keeping some food in the fridge, you showing up and them being able to have their kid get a present for Christmas. I'm not going to get emotional, but Ann and I have seen this year in and year out, what that does for that parent, how that make that, how it makes that parent feel. Like forget even how it makes the kid feel, like how it makes the, the parent feel seeing their child getting a gift that maybe they couldn't give that year, but their kid got a little bit of a Christmas that year. It's amazing. And that is why Ann and I have been involved in this for eight years in a row and why every year we encourage everybody to do it. You don't need to raise a ton of money. Just get a hundred bucks, 200 bucks, 300 bucks. Get a couple of friends together and say, let's all together go in on this and, and, and do this thing. Now, you guys have helped us out with this particular family this year because this family's had a, a more tragic story than we've ever heard doing it around here. But if, if this stuff has inspired you to also get involved... And do this in your community to find a family next year or maybe even this year. There's still time. It's still only November. I mean, as of this recording, it's still only November, at least for a few more hours. Um, time to do it. And that's awesome. So thank you for writing then, man. Share. Thank you for sharing that background in your story as well and giving me a little bit of context. That says that's inspiring, man. That's absolutely inspiring. And good luck on getting that podcast started, man. All right. Next up. Uh, Rai Rai the movie guy also writes, has anyone considered that some of the villains in Spider-Man No Way Home are not necessarily coming from the universes that we've seen, but could be variants? Might explain some of the different looks for Goblin, Electro, Doc Ox, Arms. I don't think they're variants because that would require the audience to have seen Loki and Kevin Feige never makes it necessary to watch a previous thing in order to watch one of the movies. They could just be, listen, this is the multiverse. So there could be a lot of different, you know, uh, Doc Ox out there, a lot of different Electros. I think it's going to be the ones we know, though. I could be wrong about that, but I think it's going to be the ones we know. We'll find out soon enough, dude. We'll find out soon enough. All right. Next up. Only two questions left to go. Hot Rod writes, 
So now that we raised all this stuff for the adopted family, are you going to do, with their permission, of course, a delivery and family reaction to the things we got them? It would be a heartwarming thing for the holidays and to show YouTube can do great things. This is something I've contemplated a lot, Hot Rod. Right now, I'm leaning towards no, and the reason I'm leaning towards no is this. I just want this family to enjoy this day. I don't want the... I don't want to put a camera on them. Now, look, I may talk to the mother and say, hey, you know, without giving away what's about to happen, I say, hey, you know, we also had some of our online community wanted to kick in a little bit too. And I mean, just to encourage other people to get involved with adoptive family, would you mind if if we, you know, shot a little bit of footage on my phone for what we Because remember too, she's also got kids. I don't know how comfortable I feel about putting a camera in kids' faces, going, now, kitty, perform, perform, kid. You know, and then and then sharing it to the world. I just don't know how I feel about that. I don't know how I feel about that. But I am aware that something like that could be incredibly motivating for other people to get involved and do this in their own communities next year. So I will think about it. And maybe I'll reach out to the mom and say, hey, you know, maybe would you mind if when we come to drop things off, would you mind if we shot a little bit of video just to share with the people who helped make this happen without telling her the extent? Because this is going to be huge. This is going to be huge. Um, it's I, I, I can't I can't wait for it, actually. I'm very, very, very excited about it. But I might ask her for her permission. But again, I, I feel a little awkward about that. Knowing that it could be very motivating for people, who knows? I'm thinking about it, Hot Rod. I'm thinking about, listen, if you guys watching this right now have some thoughts on that, you know, do you think it's a good idea not to bring a camera and, and video people and put them on the spot saying, look at our needy family, everybody. Behold, the needy family. Like, it, that seems tasteless to me, but I am also aware on the other hand that this could be a very beautiful thing. It could be very motivating for other people to get involved, to do this in their communities. I'm cognizant of that too. So I don't know. If you guys have a thought on that, please do jump into the comments section and let me know your perspective and what you think about that because it is something that I'm wrestling with right now. So I, I would love to hear your thoughts. All right. Last question of the evening, guys. Comes to us from Willow who writes, I remember you said that the studios canceled a Peter, a Peter Jackson Halo film uh, back when the game was at the height of its popularity because he wanted Neil Blomkamp to direct. Do you believe that was the right decision? Ooh, that's that was one of the biggest issues going on when I was doing the movie blog. Actually, I'll say, I think when I was doing the movie, that was probably the biggest controversy going on in the world of movie fandom. So for those of you who don't remember... The Lord of the Rings, Peter Jackson, was going to produce a Halo movie way back in the day. Actually, let me see if I can... Give me one second. I'm going to pull some information up here. Okay, yeah. This, I mean, this thing was a long time ago, but... And there were many reasons why the deal fell apart, like with the stuff between from Paramount to Fox, and then, of course, Microsoft at the head of it, and a lot of conflicting ideas and things like that. But at one of the things at the center of it, but it's only one of the things at the center of it, was the fact that uh, Peter Jackson wanted to bring on this guy, Neil Blomkamp, who went on to direct District 9. But at the time, Neil Blomkamp had never directed anything in his career. As a matter of fact, 
He had never done anything on a real motion picture before. He had never been an assistant director. He had never been a costume designer. He had never been an editor. He had he hadn't even been the gopher, the guy who fetches everybody's lunch. Neil Blomkamp had never even worked on an actual motion picture before. He had done a lot of short stuff and was a wizard at visual effects, which we can obviously see in uh, in District 9. But Peter Jackson wanted to use this guy. And there were, the people in the studios were like, no. We don't want to hand over a $150, $200, $250 million film, a potential major tentpole blockbuster to a dude who has never directed anything before. And Peter Jackson went on and on about how much he believed in Halo, but the, there was a big lingering question at the time. If Peter Jackson believes in this film so much, why doesn't he direct it himself? Because ultimately, that's what everybody really wanted. Everybody really wanted Peter Jackson to direct it. But he was going to produce it, and he was insisting on using this guy that had never directed anything before. Now you ask me, um, and by the way, there is a great article on Wired. You guys should go and look it up called Why the Halo Movie Failed to Launch. Now this article was actually published almost a decade ago. I think it was back in 2012, I think is when this article and the, the actual events of it were long before that. But there's a really good article about why the Halo movie failed to launch that was written like 10 years ago. You should go look it up if you get a chance. But when you ask me, do I believe that that was the right decision? I'll answer by saying this, just to be clear. It was a bad decision by Peter Jackson to try to force Neil Blomkamp onto the movie. But John, he directed District 9. Yeah, but the thing is, District 9 was a short film that Neil Blomkamp had already created. So he was great at kind of playing in his own playground. The problem is, after the brilliance of District 9, there was Elysium, which was, I'll be quite frank with you, is very disappointing of a movie to me. Then there was Chappie, which, quite frankly, I thought was also an incredibly disappointing movie. And so when he was given the ability to just play in his own play playground, because he already done a District 9 short film, and it was really just get, just to do a full-length feature version of that with Peter Jackson behind him, and it was great. But I think we saw, after we saw Chappie, after we saw Elysium, that it would have been a pretty big mistake to just hand him a big property like Halo, and when he had never had any experience what I think the studio should have done is said, I'll tell you what, Peter, let us give the director's chair to this Neil kid on a smaller movie we've got in the works. And let's at least see what he can do. And let's let, let him get a little bit of experience of doing this. I, I don't, I don't know. It's a, a lot of stuff, but yeah, I, I'll be honest with you at the time. And even today, at the time I agreed, it was a bad idea to bring a guy who had never worked on a movie before in his life to direct Halo. And today now, Decades later, I still believe that. I still believe it would have been a mistake. I think it would have been a mistake. And to this day, I still don't know for the life of me why Peter Jackson, who professes to love the Halo franchise so much, why he didn't just direct the damn thing himself. It's what everybody wanted. But uh, I don't know. It's probably... And listen, the information we know is probably just the tiniest tip of the iceberg compared to all the real mountain of ice underneath the surface. We probably only know 5% of the information. 
we are probably blissfully ignorant of what the 95% of the real story is, but only going off the 5% we know, I think it was a bad idea to try to have Neil Blomkamp be the director of that. And that's just kind of my take on it. All right, guys, listen, there were more questions that you guys sent in earlier today. We will pick right up after Willow's question on tomorrow's episode of the John Campbell show. So if you sent one in today and you haven't seen it read off yet, don't worry. It's going to be one of the first ones we get to on the John Campbell show tomorrow. And for now, that'll do it. For this installment of the companion video, thank you guys so much for being here and special thank you to all you guys who sent in those questions. Number one, because you gave us great fun things to talk about, but number two, you supported this channel as you did and all of us involved with the John Campbell show. Thank you guys so much for your support. Again, make sure you tune in and join us for the John Campia show tomorrow. That'll do it for me for now, guys. My name's John Campia, and until next time, my friends, bye-bye. <laughs>